things off this week a little differently. Who is it, Gene? Who are we talking about? It's Pink Floyd. Right? Right. One of the biggest albums of all time. It is. They had no idea what they were writing, though, did they? No, I'm, this album is not designed to be a, a hit record. Um, I mean, I think they hoped it did well. I mean, but it, these hits that came were pulled out of this album were not new right. singles. Yeah, when I said they didn't know what they were writing, obviously, I mean, they knew what they were doing. Very talented musicians, but yeah, they're, they were just doing this for the art form. That's it. And this thing, I I don't know the stats, but the amount of time this thing spent on the I think charts, still on Billboard charts, isn't it? I think so. Buried deep in I, the thousands or something? Yeah, I'll see if I can find out here. See if we'll, we'll do the old, uh, maybe a Wikipedia search here. So Pink Floyd, I go back to, I heard about Pink Floyd as a teenager. I remember your Uncle Joe brought him up. We had a Pink Floyd oh, God, poster yeah. or something out in his shop. I feel like Joe box. and Gary, yeah. Gary was Well, God, I didn't have the honor to meet Gary till a couple years later. <laughs> Thank goodness, because that was a hell of a night. That was a trip. Wasn't Great it? to see that, man. Yeah, that's good old Gary. That was fun. And his son, right? Yeah, Michael. We we're still in Wagner's then? Yeah, that was our last summer. Yeah, which is what, already three years ago? Four. It's 2016. We're in 2019. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Math skills are off. Regardless, yeah, so, and, and I thought they were a little overrated, especially when I got into progressive rock, which is kind of the reason we went down this road. Uh, Mark sent me this Rolling Stones top 100 progressive rock albums, or I believe that's what it was titled. Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon album was number one album. For progressive rock and I thought well you know I wanted to debate that a little bit but then we talked and I thought you know in so many ways that's probably true you know um, for what makes an album progressive to me yeah I always struggle with pinning stuff in a nice tidy genre anyway but um, I feel like that's a genre though like that doesn't you gotta innovate. You gotta have atmosphere. You gotta have. It's a very orchestral genre. It's a very. You have to be pushing the envelope. I mean, well, progress. That's in the progress. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you have to be, uh, you know, charting a new course in some way, shape, or form with your music. Um, There's no rules, though. Yeah. If you want an ice cream truck lick in the middle of a heavy metal breakdown, you could do that, and we'll call it progressive. And some of them do that. Doesn't Dream Theater do that? <laughs> they touch upon a lot of different things. To me, like, you know, King Crimson's the father of progressive rock. Floyd was around about that time, though. Not They're all in the same couple years in the mid-60s. They started right. out with Sid Barrett. Those albums were more psychedelic than I'd say progressive. They weren't pushing new territory to me with Sid Barrett. Um, sorry if that offends every, anybody out there, but uh, they got David Gilmore as a replacement. They started getting better. They did a couple albums. I c couldn't tell you the ones before this. Um, I'm not a diehard Floyd uh, fan, but I really do appreciate them. Um, this is definitely the one everyone 
knows for Pink Floyd. I mean, this is probably the top of mind. I believe after this is Wish You Were Here, and then Animals, and then The Wall. You know, um, Dark Side of the Moon was on the charts for... 741 weeks. So from 1973 to 1988, it stayed on the charts. And I'm sure it's, you know, it's reappeared. Great album. If you've never heard Dark Side of the Moon, front to back, that's the way I'd listen to this. You don't cut some tracks on your, get the singles. You got to have it flow cohesively to get it. Yeah, that's, it was designed to be listened in, in one sitting. Alan Parsons is responsible for the production on this. Really? Uh, the engineering. Uh, yeah, well, he did, uh, I believe, uh, Sgt. Pepper's, and maybe Abbey Road? I'd have to look that up. But I know Sgt. Pepper's, great Alan Parsons. Wow. Yeah, you didn't know that? Yeah, I, just, Alan I just knew about his fun. project, that's all I knew about. <laughs> and God damn it, it's a good project. <laughs> I'm an Alan Parsons project fan. It's so weird, you have to listen to it. Isn't and that Eye in the Sky? Eye in the Sky, yeah. Um, My favorite's Turn of a Friendly Card. Great album about this guy leaves his wife and kids to go gambling, loses it all. Don't know if he dies at the end. Self-inflicted. Great album, though. (laughs) I heard it in a very awkward car ride one night and never forgot it. Eye in the Sky is good. It's an eerie... This is saying came out in 1982. Does that sound about right? Yes, that's it. Yep. Love this song. The beginning of it is the Chicago Bulls uh, theme. It is. Sirius. Yeah. Or Sirius or whatever they call it. Sirius, isn't it? Looks like how they spell Sirius XM. Yeah, there it is. Sirius. Sirius. boy. I deem you Sirius. Of liver. I blew it. All right, so, yeah, so we're kind of just, do we even introduce ourselves today? Well, I don't know if we did. C. C and G. Chat. C and G chat. Family uh, event. Yeah. Uh, this is... It's light out today, though. It's, yeah, we're not we're, in a, someone else's property today. We're not in our element. Uh, yeah, and it's approximately 84 degrees in here. Not a breath of wind. We had to turn them fans off. They're too loud. So we're sitting in here sweating profusely. And you wanted more, so here it is. We were supposed to have, what, George McDonald? Yeah, we've been trying to get old George McD. Uh, over. Sir George uh, McDonald. Yep. You've yep. heard of him. He has been knighted. Um, you know, just to get some some different input, um, get people on here who aren't necessary musicians, but music lovers. Um, it's kind of nice to get their input on things. So, we'll we'll get it together, or we'll you know we'll get other people on at some point. So, I had the skies about God watching you, evidently. Makes sense. He's looking down at you. He knows what you're gonna do. Interesting. It's progress. Alan Parsons' project is definitely a progressive outfit as well. Don't love everything. But I don't love everything of any group. I don't love anything of Well, yeah, I mean, even, I'm a huge Rush fan, but I don't love every stinking song on every album. Right. There's, there's cheese, and I admit when there's cheese. There's some bands, though, that have better albums altogether than other bands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's an obvious, but yeah. Alan Parsons is a band that I could listen to, except that Turn of a Friendly Card album. That's a good album. That's a neat album. And, uh... I have no idea what this album is that the song's from originally. I don't know. I think All I know is the artwork looks like the Prince symbol in there. Oh, it's is called it, Eye in the Sky. Is that the album name? Or too? maybe that's the, the single, what the single looked like. I don't know. But doesn't that look like the Prince symbol in the eye? Yeah, a little bit. 
I mean, this is a definitely an upgrade from the Yoko stuff we were listening to. Like, we left on that note where I had to hear that for days in my mind. Yeah. Well, I, I apologize for that. So we're talking progressive rock today. I think that's where we're starting off. So let's get this top ten out, and we can it's go. A top, oh, you just I just so, doing the top ten. Yeah. That's all I could see. I'm not going through a hundred. Yeah, people 50, don't care. By the way, fifty five zero. <laughs> Well, oh, it was top 50? Yeah, I'm thinking, are there even 50 progressive rock bands? Or, you know, or 100? Yeah, Let me see here. Trying to multitask. I know, we're always so well prepared, too. That's, the, that's the beauty of this. It's a random, it's an improv thing. Yeah. So, at number 10, they put Yes, Fragile. That's yeah, a great I, album. That's a, that's a You've ever pretty listened huge to the whole album? I force Yes on you pretty hard, right, in the old days? Um, Yeah, you know, it doesn't come to me as naturally as Rush does but I gotta appreciate there's some pretty amazing works on it I mean the opening track um let's let's get real here that's our that's our our probably our achievement of achievements in Wagner's it just did get it together like we did I, I was proud of that it will it's, it's a tough song to do we had to either be a little stupid or just have some big old balls to do it I think it's the latter. We just were like, we can do roundabout now. Yeah. Like we leveled up that much, but took work and I want to try to do it tonight. Mm-hmm. Obviously a different lineup than we had then, but I think we should try it. Well, who's going to be playing with us tonight? Super Josh. Okay. So boom. We got that's, her. That's the most important. Oh, it's Okay. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. We got it. Oh, we'll pull out. Yeah. We'll pull out some good stuff. Let's Sorry, pull we're out just the talking about tonight. ourselves again. Yeah. Well, that's what we do. Hey, we got to acknowledge some of the stuff we do and, uh, we play a lot. It's summer. It's busy season. Gino wrote me into doing jam night tonight. I'm so happy you're coming. I, I just need a change. Uh, so, yeah. Yes, Fragile. Listen to this album. when I was I bought it when I was 16. I'm a big prog fan. You can tell the enthusiasm's high today for the prog. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. I bought it when I was 16. And, uh... Jeez. Jeez. That's a No air in here. God. <laughs> Roundabout always captured me. I was dusting my shelf as a kid, my bookshelf, uh, when I was living with my grandmother, and this came on Z93, and I thought to myself at 14 or 15, that's a bass guitar? Yeah. Like, wow. And then, of course, I became hooked on Chris Squire. And when I went to buy the album, I bought it at Borders, and you got to sample some tracks. Yeah. First one to come out was Heart of the Sunrise. <laughs> Through headphones, I'm like, buying this. Like, because I just was like, wow. Yeah. That was my favorite track, Heart of the Sunrise, last track on this album. Great, great piece of music, tough piece of music. It's got everything you want, technicality, uh, the depth, the, it just it, the emotion, it's all there. And um, the other highlight tracks are like South Side of the Sky and uh, Long Distance Runaround, yeah. which became a hit. And um, Roundabout distance. was a hit. So they had a, some hits off that album. You know? It did. That says yeah, a lot, to have an eight-minute song or a five minute song in 5-4 over 4-4 that's what long distance runaround is yeah. Bruford's drumming in 5-4 while the band's in 4-4 that's why four. some of it sometimes it lines up and sometimes it's got this other disjunct feeling right yeah and again like some people critics over the years well what's the point of that it's just some musicians love to push their boundaries of music yes yeah, maybe sometimes you just want to be a little different you want to yeah you just want to feel a little crazy you know there's no, I mean, that's the thing. Everyone gets caught up. There, there are rules in music, I guess. Um, there's 
what do you how do you want you to need say to know it? i always say this you need to know the rules the theory the understanding of what's tonal what's not what lines up what's diatonic you need to know the rules of music before you can begin to break them i sound jeff berlin here but it's like you need to know what you're doing you a doctor it's got to have a medical degree to practice uh medicine you know what i mean he can't right. he'll get sued but we can just go out and we're musicians all of a sudden and, and i guess i'm okay with that like Everybody's voice counts, but pay your dues to music. Serve yeah. music a little more. Yeah, that's the, and and I guess that's why I got into progressive rock. Be, and you know, a little dick swinging contest in the days because you're young and you want to have the better chops and you want to understand odd time signatures and you want to be the Olympian of music. Which to me, progressive rock, jazz fusion, jazz, uh, and of course, you know, classical. Those are to me the pinnacle of technicality. Um, not necessarily what's pushing music tomorrow, but I always feel like jazz is everything. Um, what are we looking at here? Pick something. So this is a we're. I'm just gonna pull from a playlist. Prog rock essentials on Apple Music. Do you want to just start at the beginning and? Yeah. So they got uh, Watcher of the Skies by Genesis. Who I know Genesis is in this top ten. Watcher of the Skies. I got that in my keyboard, that Mellotron sound. Really? Yeah, exact pass. This is on Foxtrot, that album with the, the woman in the red dress with the fox's head. Don't get me going with Genesis. Like, this is this is my favorite band. Of course, your mother loves Genesis, too, and she helped educate yeah, me more. You Phil knew Collins some Genesis general. songs I didn't when we first got yeah. together. Yeah. Uh, Robbery Salt Mattery. Like, <laughs> and what a tune that is. I tell you what, there's a live album of theirs, and I don't even know if I can find it on... Like the streaming services, it's from the '90s. I think that last tour they did, it was a double live album. One was the longs, and the other yeah, was the, the way shorts. We walk. Yeah, the way we walk. And mom only had the longs, which is funny because that's the progier stuff. stuff. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't all the the hits and stuff right. that was on the shorts part of the album. Um, and just like that medley they did, had dance that started with the dance on a volcano. Um, just the production, great production on a live album. You have Chester Thompson playing the drums. Just it's an awesome sounding live album, and it really captures them. They were. It's a shame they didn't keep going uh, in that line. I, I don't know. It just seemed like they were still pretty damn strong as a unit. Well, I mean, Je- those those hits off that last album with Phil on it. Anyway, that's the way we walk. Um, or no, we can't dance. The way we watch the live series of uh, the tour after that, but the live album. But th- there were five, four or five hits off that album that hugged bands like Nirvana and fucking, uh, who was out at the time, Green Day, and yeah. that's pretty crazy. Early 90s, yeah. Which that music was in the early, you know, you had Michael Bolton's, then you had that kind of soft thing going on that the 80s kind of continued, but that was Phil, I don't know, they probably just had a caller good. I don't know. Some bands, you, well, look at Phil now out there doing it solo. Oh. That's a different conversation altogether, but... So yeah, yeah. So we're talking about Prague here, and um, if you don't know what Prague is, Prague is progressive rock um, or progressive music because you can't just—it's been so split into subgenres. My definition of Prague is like it can be Tool, it can be King Crimson, it could be a song off of Depeche Mode album if it had to be. Oh, I like Depeche Mode. Actually. They're different. All I ever wanted, all I ever needed is here. I could have like been the perfect I, frontman for oh the best mode. That, that chorus is so good, man. Words are very unnecessary. Remember, I well maybe we weren't hanging out then, but when I got my car, I was shopping CDs and I just always liked the name and I didn't know what I was getting into. Yeah, I'm like I'm gonna just try to buy a Depeche Mode album, 
and I dug it. I wouldn't call it progressive per se, but it was definitely okay. It's poppier, isn't it? It's a little sad. It's a little emo. It's like the emo before the emo. Yeah. So number nine on this list, we did Fragile by Yes, Beautiful Album. Uh, Number nine is Genesis, The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Oh, that's a good album. Yeah, let's see. That speaks for itself. Uh, It's in-depth. It took me years to love the album like I do today. Yeah, that's proper. It's overwhelming. (laughs) I expected more at times, but I grew up a little bit more and now understand, like, it's great. That's just great. You listen to the album. I think I've listened to Fragile more, but Fragile is also half as short. So... Uh, what do we got on here? Yeah, this is the title track. This is a cool... And again, this was another part of that live album that was awesome. Right. Oh, from the 90s. Yeah. Because this is Peter Gabriel singing. Yeah. If you don't know anything about Genesis, Peter Gabriel is a singer at one point. Phil Collins is a drummer. Peter Gabriel leaves. Phil Collins becomes the singer and uh, drummer on the album. Which is such life. a crazy story. They were auditioning guys and nobody was really what they were looking for. And then... I guess Phil was like, or the guy suggested to Phil, like, you should just do it. Phil had been teaching these guys coming in the parts okay, and then having yeah. them do it. So Phil already knew the parts, but he was part of writing the parts, you know? Yeah. That was a good group. Of, that album, Trick of the Tail, but that's another, we're not talking about that album. No. We're talking about The Lamb. So yeah, The Lamb, um, great album. I don't know. You have to listen to it. I can't brag it up enough. Highlight tracks are in the cage. Uh, the title track's great. Cuckoo Cocoon, which is not necessarily... It's just, it's a different, you got to hear these songs. It's great. That's the thing, you got to set these type of albums. That's back when they made an album. Um, So you have to set aside the time to sit down and listen to it. Really, that's the best way to listen to these albums from start to finish. Um, There's a lot of humor in Genesis. There's a lot of sexual innuendo. There's a lot of atmosphere. There's a lot of mythical things in this mm -hmm. album. It's the whole deal. A Uh, lot of this type of music, though, subsequently. A lot of it's not a first listen type of thing. Mm-hmm. Some of it you really have to work at. To <coughs> and I can't tell you, like with Rush, I can't tell you how many songs I used to just write off because I wouldn't listen through the whole thing. Like I'd hear the intro part and like, meh, skip. But if you re-listen, you pick up some of these subtleties. and That's why it hits a hit. It's three minutes, yeah. it repeats itself. People right. are hooked instantly and it's good to go. But these longer pieces that make progressive rock what it is, to put all these stories in two minutes, it's not what they want to do. And they want to take you through a journey. It's a soundtrack to a movie in a lot of ways. A lot of these mm-hmm. pieces are to me in progressive rock. Programmatic music, right? Yeah, it's yeah. It's painting a picture sometimes without the the lyrics. Yeah. But then you've got the lyrics. All right, so I my phone went out here. Let me see. What's that third album in line here? Number eight on this Rolling Stones list we're going off. Uh, I don't ever trust Rolling Stone for any act. I know. They, especially they, traditionally they have not been fans of progressive can future days i don't know much about can i'll be honest with you i know i've heard some songs by them uh josh allen and i went through this era of obscure british prog um so the album is future days yep and the band is can 1973 it has four tracks on it i made with can uh future days for me the best album i made with can vocalist damo suzuki has said because it was very easy to quit from Can after that album. I wanted nothing from them after that. Musically, I was very satisfied. Jeez. Indeed, the four tracks on the German experimental rock, uh, rocker's fifth studio album synthesized everything they did weirdly well. Can could strip back for three minutes of skewered psychedelic pop, Moonshaker split the difference between Miles Davis, Bitches Brew, and Isaac Hayes' Hot Buttered Soul. Uh, or find new craters on the moon for Bel Air, a lounge suite dizzying up the entire second side of the record. 
All of it is canon, and none of it is commonplace. I don't know about that description. And I don't think this would... I can put so many other albums ahead of what this problem is. Yeah, well, this is like. part of Future Days. It's just... This is 1973. It's different. It's like something you meditate to. It's very cyclical to me. It just seems like a lot of... Something's going on there. Yeah, I feel like you got to be in a headspace for this though, because it's a sl- very slow building. At I least think we're in a headspace for that. That's I like that. <laughs> That's why I'm adding it. We're gonna add it, and I'm gonna listen. Number to it seven later. is Jethro Tull, "Thick as a Brick." Oh um, yeah, love Jethro Tull. They're definitely a progressive rock band. I would not put this album there though. If I was gonna pick a Jethro Tull album to bring there, it would be either uh, "Passion Play," "Minstrel in the Gallery." Um, Thick as a brick would be up there, but I, I, I wouldn't put it in no, number seven by any means. Love Jethro Tull. If you don't know anything about Jethro Tull and Ian Anderson, plays the flute. Great musician, band leader, smart dude. Um, Wait, am I correct in seeing that this album is just part one, part two? Yep. Two, tracks, two tracks. So one, two sides. Yep. Side one of the album. Wow. Yep. So I guess brick. it doesn't get more uh, concept than that. Um, you don't even have... Divides the track or anything. Wow. Now, it, yeah, I know the name. Again, people always reference it, Thick as a Brick, but I've never... They know that title. as Thick as a Brick. Yeah. That's so that was carved that. from within this someplace. Wow. A little tidbit here. Rick from The Walking Dead is married to Ian Anderson's daughter. Oh, really? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Uh, number six is Selling England by the Pound. Fucking great album. <laughs> great album. Do you agree? Yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, I would expect you to be that excited about great it. Great album. It's a great album. Firth the Fifth was always a... Firth the Fifth. Let's... Firth the Fifth. Yep, yep. This as a child, I was like, ah, I must play this. Just so great. It's a toughie though, right? It's really tough because the meter changes, the left hand's doing some weird stuff. I haven't revisited it in years. But it would take... I remember you trying to, to work it out. I had enough. I could fake through some parts, but there's only so far you can get doing that. The inter- ah, then you know, you got Cinema Show, which is I, probably the best piece off the album. It really is. So it's about 11 minutes long. I don't know. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. It looks about 11 minutes long. Dancing with the with the moonlight night is. Another great piece. Uh, Bell Epping Forest is strange, but it's progressive. I mean, it's all there. That the great album. This would be so far ahead of anything by Jethro Tull to me. Um, easily, there's just a lot here. 
I learned a lot from a lot of these references of mythology. I'd look it up, you know. Genesis taught me a lot without ever trying to teach me a lot about other things in British society or whatnot. Um, yeah. So, but again, I'm biased. I, I'm I'm a diehard Genesis fan. See, I've never admittedly listened to like these deeper cuts on Selling England by the Pound. Oh, this is the, this is the stuff that the giant Genesis fans are. You know, this is top ten for them. Cinema show is a big deal. It's got that seven eight thing at the end. It's all in seven. And you've heard that probably in one of those medleys over the years. Yeah. Um, all right, getting back to this list here, because I could sit here on Genesis all day long. Um, let's see here. Selling England by the pound. Oh, and so now they go to number five, close to the edge. Um, it's great, but it's there. It's up there. Uh, close to the edge is three tracks, if I'm not mistaken. Close to the Edge, the title track. Starts out with a bunch of atmosphere. I actually have that yeah. patch on my keyboard, too. This whole atmosphere intro. Um, great. That track's a whole man. Yeah. Just great. It's busy. It's a little chaotic. It takes a while. Though. Fragile's like the beginner, the the, the training wheels right. for this album. Before you get into the heavy duty. This yeah. gets uh, out there. And this is 1972. Yeah. Bill Bruford on the drums, one of the best. Uh, Chris Squire on the bass, one of the best. I mean, the, Rick Wakeman, this was like an all-star rock, upgraded rock band, as I put it. Because these weren't like the fusion guys either, because they were on another level. Yeah. But this was more European, classically related than fusions, obviously more jazz related. They were yeah. coming from different directions. Yeah. Progressive rock seemed to utilize the odd time signature a little more to me. Uh, but again, those fusion guys like Chikoria's band, uh, Return to Forever and Mahavishnu Orchestra and Weather Report, the, those were guys to tango with. Yeah. That's the interesting part about Chester. He came from that world. And so did Sturmer. Yeah. Don't rub that. Through really. John Lecpani. What's that? You want to rub my leg? No. <laughs> no, don't oh, rub against the jeans. You got the, 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 the microphone's vibrating. Every time you do that, it's like... <laughs> Uh, rub your leg. You do have the legs right up. Looks like you're wearing a diaper. Looks like you're wearing a plaid diaper today. A swimming diaper. Uh, it's on here. Swimming diaper. You got Lydia's swimming won't diaper. Won't be long. <laughs> Second track's in You and I. Beautiful song in, in Siberian Kotcher, which is my favorite off the album. It's got some great licks. Starts in with some weird British country lick. It's 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 strange. <laughs> Steve Howe was a strange It's crossover. Cat. Uh, then we're on to Wish You Were Here, Pink Floyd. Very much about Sid Barrett. Uh, I love it. It's got right. Have a Cigar, so, Welcome to the Machine, yeah. uh, Shine On Your Crazy Diamond, uh, and, and then, of course, uh, Wish You Were Here, the, the title track. Yeah. Um, great album. But I don't know if I'd put it this far up there. I'd put Animals ahead of this by Pink Floyd. Really? Just my opinion. Absolutely. More, more people aren't familiar with it. Animals. Though. Well, that's, that's all this a, is. This is like you got a popularity. Ca- this is album sales too, and I get that. Right. Yeah, it's taking that stuff into a fa- into account. Because Elmerson Lincoln like, Farmer is nowhere to be found on this list. That's disappointing. Shine on you, crazy diamond. The intro. David Gilmore could play three notes, and it's better than a hundred <laughs> from anybody. We're at four minutes into the song. 
And really, the song hasn't even kicked in yet. He's introduced that idea. Is that the way it should be, though, if you're really trying to get something across? You give yeah. it... Yeah. Oh, no. It's got I a mean, build. It's got a, you know... Yeah. Uh, that's Prague. Like you say, yeah, it's orchestral. You know, it's a, it's a piece. It's a piece with dynamics. And yeah. The whole... The whole... That's why these motherfuckers had gongs. Yeah. <laughs> Here's this bells build. chimes. It must have been something to see this. Dick Mason is the total opposite of like he's the Ringo of like the next yeah. Ringo to me. He's a meat and caters man, but he did all right. Yeah, not a lot of notes per minute. Uh, he he has a swing to him, kind of like Ringo has a swing. There's a certain feel, uh, a looseness. I don't want to say sloppy, but there's a it's relaxed. Right, Richard Wright was a great keyboard player. Because you really had like blues over classical in Floyd yeah. to me. That's where they met. Yeah. You had Gilmore's bluesy type runs, and Wright had this very British classical way of doing things to me. And that that's the magic of Floyd. It was a meeting of worlds. And I appreciate Floyd. Yeah. It's hard not to appreciate this. All right, so uh, Moving Pictures by Rush, number three. Oh, and you, you should be happy that with that. Wow. But you, to put that in see. front of Close to the Edge and... Selling England by the Pound to me, not where I would go with it. But great album, and it had hits. Yeah, that's the big thing. Um, I mean, Rush had success, and again, I'll have to rein my, my time in on this because I can talk about this all night, but they, they'd already had success. 2112 bought them that success in 1976, bought them the freedom to basically where the record company left them alone. They could do whatever they wanted. So, um, So they went through with all the... You know, the crazy Prague through a Farewell to Kings, Hemispheres. Then they started tightening things up with Permanent Waves, which had Spirit of the Radio and Free Will. That was a precursor to moving pictures, and they like they put it all together on this album. Neil Peart said Neil Peart himself said that that's when we became Rush in his eyes. Just they seemed to put together all these elements. The keyboards start to come into it a little bit. Um, yeah, the songs are concise. There's a total of seven tracks uh, on the album. I think the longest song would be like the camera eye. Tom Sawyer, you've heard it a thousand times. That's that's the song that everyone knows Rush by. They played it at every concert after they wrote it. Camera Eye is about eleven minute song. Have you ever even heard this? A couple times. Again, not as much up your alley because it's not his keyboard. Why Why Z's the pinnacle piece for me? Right? That's on this album. Mm-hmm. YYZ. Um, that's the instrumental. And it was actually a pretty big hit. Um, it almost won a Grammy. And it was beat out by another instrumental tune. By the police of all bands. Wow, that's strange. It was be- I think the song was called, like, Where's My Camel? Something like that. Now, I know I'm biased, but I feel like the Grammys dropped the ball on that. Because I don't think very many people are talking about Where's My Camel or whatever. Where... A lot of people talk about YYZ. It was on Guitar Hero bands. Um, it's just a cool song for an instrumental. It's an interesting piece of music for three dudes and a keyboard. Yeah, I mean, they out. built that. This riff is the Morse code for the Toronto airport. YYZ. They built it off of that. Like, who the hell does that? Who hears something on the airplane? They were nerds, com? though. Let's be real. That's, yeah. they, these were the geeky, intelligent people. Like Neil, especially, is a very yeah. intelligent man. And everybody knows Neil kicks ass at drums. That's not yeah. a secret. Unless you've been living in a cave. 
it's funny though this part I guess if you consider the chorus pretty straightforward it's Neil's rock but it's when Neil breaks into that ride beat it yeah. makes, that's Neil's signature kind of that is a signature ride pattern it's based off of I think it's like based off of Paradiddle I don't know I'm terrible at my rudiments um, but here's that signature ride just cool cool rhythm Alex's lead because you could do anything over this if yeah. you keep it in 4-4, four, four, but you really, like, to do what he's doing and to think that way, it's, you know, he's just subdividing into a little rhythm he's got, but yeah. it's so neo and it's so neat. Jazz guys were doing this for years, just a yeah. different pattern, yep. a different, you know, and Neil takes that and brings that. Neil Neil was always open to, to learning new things, and I like that about him. Getty Lee on that bass. I just, I love Squire, and I love a lot of the other guys, but... I don't know something about how he plays, just the melodies he does, the the rhythm, the rhythmic approach, right. just gets me right in the gizzard. And it's got a little bit of that. I mean, Squire was a huge influence on him, so that's why he Absolutely. played Rickenbacker for so long. And this is in that era. Moving Pictures he used a Fender jazz bass, but a lot of it was the Rickenbacker. Jeff Berlin too, and Those so harmonics. Yeah, they natu- became friends. Yeah. Naturally, he was gonna learn that, you know, because Jeff Berlin learned all of Yes's catalog in a night, and then went into the next night. Like that's pretty intense, <laughs> you know. But he could, and he will. And Jeff Berlin. Jeff Berlin's a shout out to you, Jeff. You're you're an amazing player. Oh you yeah, certainly are. He's an educator. He knows so much. Jeff's I on just... my friends list. I'll tag Jeff in this. Oh my God. <laughs> Jeff don't need to hear this. No, he probably doesn't. Uh, but we love you, Jeff. Um, all right, so we moving on here? Yeah. Number two is King Crimson in the Court of the Crimson King. Well, a lot of people assert that this is the beginning of this era and this album was the... You know, you had Robert Fripp, who is an odd man, a great underrated player in my book. He's just got his own thing going on. I've always appreciated him. It took a long time to understand what the hell was going on, but I, I still don't know sometimes. But he's given me uh, a lot just by listening to his work. Wow. So this came out in 1969. Yeah. It's just weird. When I think of Prague, I just don't think of the 60s at all. I think That's 70s. where it was birthed. Like Moody Blues. Moody Blues. Nights oh, and White Satin. Like that Moody really Blues is. So good. This is King Crimson. The album cover is... Notorious. All right. Notorious. What's the word? Uh... Legendary album cover. Yeah, it's, or whatever the hell. That's the great album. Al- that's is. great artwork. That's again back when you purchased an album, it was a tangible thing. You had the artwork to enjoy. You had the the liner notes. Um, you, you, we don't get that anymore. Yeah, the streaming's cool. Like I'm dialing this all place. up. But I'm sure people that are listening to this who are alive at this time, or were people our age, even or kids, just I remember how different it was when we were kids, even. Yeah. Just a different. You got to sit around and enjoy what you had, and this is something you had. This took you on an adventure. This album combines aspects of jazz and classical and avant-garde, and it really this is what made it prog. Now, if you don't know the lineup, I said with Robert Fripp, but Greg Lake from Emerson Lake and Palmer, pre-ELP, was in this band. He's the oh. vocalist, and he's um, the most famous track is in the Court of the Crimson King. Twenty-first century schizoid man as well. Um, Ozzy covered that, I think. Oh, yeah. The Mellotron on In the Court of the Crimson King, this, right here, this never-ending story kind of feel. 
uh, eventually was sold to Genesis, and they did watch the Sky's on the same Mellotron. So, because Genesis. What is a Mellotron, up, by the way? I Mellotron was is the other a. Day. It's a keyboard that was taken from three play, uh, string players. I believe they were ladies. And there's a cello, a violin, and a viola, I believe. But uh, you can look this all up yourself. That's why folks. it always it's it's just a weird sounding string. Yeah, they recorded strings. those three people, and oh. then they used that duplicated over the strings. I don't know how that technology worked, but you're, that was like sampling of its day. Wow! And that's what that was. That only made that sound, that Mellotron, that string sound. Yeah, just a weird, eerie. Like it's a little eerie to me. The string sound because it's probably slightly out of tune. Yeah, you can look it up. A Mellotron. It's a keyboard instrument. Um, and maybe I need to look it up after too. Get my facts straight. In the Court of the Crimson King, had I talked to the wind. These are beautiful songs. They had Ian McDonald, I believe, is his name in this band. Um, and Ian McDonald uh, formed Foreigner. So a lot of came out of King Crimson, and they've been around a long time, and they're still doing it. They got Adrian Ballou years later. I think this album, just because it's the it's old school. It's the beginning. Yeah. Is it the most progressive? Well, I don't know. I, I don't. Well, you have to pay respect to something like that. That is. The, the ground zero for something like that. That's what it was. And people looked up. So to King without Crimson. this, without this, there would be no bad company without King Crimson. Really bad. Yeah, company. Boz Burrell for wow. a bad company. He was a bass player. Fripp taught, I believe, how to play the bass to do wow. an album. Which a band like Bad Company, they were, you know, a straight and straightforward rock and roll. No forwarder, because nice. Ian McDonald. You just these things wouldn't. Have, the King Crimson had a lot. Greg Lake, Emerson Lake and Palmer. Yeah. The, a lot of history was made. Then John Wetton joined. He went to Asia. And then they had Bill Bruford from Yes. Then they had the guy that wrote the Friends theme years later on the drums. I forget his name. But uh, they've had and they've had all these stars. They King Crimson's a great band. They're different, but they're a great band. They're the fathers of Prague in my book. And then number one is, uh, of course, where we started, Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah. We've rambled and ran it, or maybe I have a little more than Mark today. <laughs> but I love Prague. I'm passionate about innovating the instrument, trying to understand what you're doing a lot more and then trying to extend on it and always push yourself to be better and uh, that's how I feel uh, about progressive rock it does that and it also gives you a lot of passion a lot of emotion it encompasses a lot of genres and uh, that's the way I like to look at it I think Tool's progressive yeah I think Rush is definitely progressive Dream Theater's progressive Frost is progressive uh, there's a lot of prog out there Dixie Dregs you, we can go on and on Tubular Bells from The Exorcist, Mike Oldfield. Uh, progressive. Pretty crazy. But not everything that has an odd time signature is progressive. No. And uh, it's got to have everything. It's got to, you just can't do be it for the sake of being it, I guess. That's the unsaid rule. You got to serve music first and yourself second. So, uh, what do you got going on? Can again? Yeah, well, I guess we'll just fade out with this, really. I mean, we've, this has got to be almost an hour worth of. And it's fitting, though. Prague, they're known for their long format, so the Prague episode will be the longer episode. Jeez, don't catch the couch on fire. I won't, I won't. Uh, yeah, it, it, progressive rock for any musician, any listener, it's it's worth taking a listen to, getting into the catalog. Yeah, but you got to be in the right headspace. Set aside some time to relax and give a good listen to it. Yeah, well, with that, I guess we got to get ready for jam night. Yeah, we're going to play together tonight in uh, Alexandria Bay. You probably won't get this until we're already done playing, or maybe not. Ah, we'll try and upload it right straight away. Continue with that old uh, C&G ethos. Bang it out quick. Hopefully we have uh, guests next week, right? Yeah, we're going to try and secure some guests. Trying to get that budget up. 
uh, write to your local congressperson uh, and ask for the, the increase on the CNG. And market. if you've got a topic you would like us to discuss, I think we could be all right with that. Yeah. Yeah, if there's, you know, whatever, a topic, a band, a song you like, or whatever. You just if we think it's too inappropriate or boring, we may not do it. Well, we just did this prog episode, so I don't think it'll get much drier than that. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. Oh, uh, there we are. <laughs> All right. Suck at that. <laughs> there we are. CNG chant. Chant. <laughs> oh. CNG Gregorian chant band will be playing next weekend. Somebody, you sound, your voice sounds like a didgeridoo. How'd you do that? <laughs> um, <laughs> nah. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. All right, bye.